Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. I'm back um, for another week of Sidebar Cindy. And this evening I'm chatting about breastfeeding. And we want to know, what has your breastfeeding journey been like? Sidebar with Cindy. Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Welcome to Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Suefan-Sale. And this evening we're speaking about breastfeeding and I'm joined by Lynn Bluff. She's a... Um, a registered um, childbirth educator, a midwife, and we're speaking about breastfeeding. And I'm asking you, what has your breastfeeding journey been like? I know that, um, you know, we're encouraged to exclusively breastfeed for six months and then, if possible, breastfeed up to two years. But there there are a lot of reasons why women don't breastfeed. And we also know that the World Health Organization says that South Africa has the lowest rate, uh, one of the lowest rates of breastfeeding, with 32% of women um, choosing breastfeeding. And these are all the issues we're going to be unpacking tonight with Lynn Bluff. So before we take your calls on 86 959 I'd like to welcome uh, my guest to the studio. Um, hi, Lynn, and thank you so much for being here. Hi, and it's only a pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to it. Great. So... Lynn, I know that breastfeeding is is important, right? So as a medical doctor, we encourage our our patients to breastfeed, um, certainly for the first six months if they can, and to make sure that that it's it's, um, exclusive breastfeeding. But before we go into all of that, I think let's let's define breastfeeding and let's also try and describe what happens during breastfeeding. I think that people really aren't aware just how important and wonderful breastfeeding actually is and that breast milk is just the absolute perfect food for this baby and actually it's a perfect way for the mum and baby to interact so it has benefits for mum and baby and I think that not enough emphasis is actually placed on educating um, new pregnant mums and new mums just how important it is that actually it does make a difference whether you breastfeed or not. I think that the the modern mum doesn't want to feel the pressures she doesn't want to feel guilty and so one way is not to know anything not to look for too much information and then I'm not going to feel guilty instead of saying what can I actually learn so that I can do the best for me and my baby okay but um so okay so that, that's true. The guilt, the guilt part is, is is quite a biggie. But there's also the fact that when you look at our country and the labour laws in our country, not every mom has got the the privilege of being able to stay at home for the for the full six months and be uh, you know a full time stay at home breastfeeding mom. There's that there's, there's that as well. So most of our moms have to be back at work, you know, within you know eight weeks of baby's birth or mm. most of them is four months, and that that's also quite a challenge. It is, and I think with breastfeeding, if we can just t- Take it one day at a time and every bit of breast milk that you give your baby is going to be beneficial. So one doesn't have to say, oh my goodness, I'm going to breastfeed for two years or Mm -hmm. one year, but let's just take it one day at a time and make a success of it today because as I say, every bit of breast milk, every feed that you give your baby is going to be beneficial. So if a mom is going to be um, on maternity leave for four months, breastfeed as much as you can in those four months and then reassess it once you have to go back to work mm. because one can still do different options. One can breastfeed first thing in the morning before you leave for work and as soon as you get home from work you put the baby on the breast again. If you're in an environment where it's um works for you to actually express at work and bring that milk home then yes one can still be working and still exclusively breastfeed but if that becomes too much for a mum to handle well 
she's still giving that baby some breast milk every single day. That's true. And also in the context of HIV, because I'm an HIV clinician, so I mm-hmm. work with HIV positive patients. We know that we encourage moms to exclusively breastfeed for as long as they can. And then obviously once they've weaned over to formula, then it's formula only. So we don't encourage um, mixed feeding in, you know, in the context of HIV. So it's important to remember that. But it's also important that, um, you know, outsiders don't place heavies on moms. I think, you know, I've had two kids and that postpartum period is such an emotional period. I mean, your hormones are up and down, you're overwhelmed, you're tired. There's a lot of things happening. And if there's added pressure of, of you having to breastfeed, it can lead to postpartum depression. Without a doubt. But mm. if you don't breastfeed successfully, that can also lead to postpartum depression. So... um I think that if mums could really learn and understand how breastfeeding actually works so that they've got a better option of it being successful. Mm. Like most people, oh goodness, you know, my breasts don't feel as though they're filling up. So Mm. I'll I'll skip this feed um, on the breast and my breast will fill up. And that's the worst thing you could possibly do because you're not then stimulating the breasts enough to actually make more milk. The best thing to do is to put your baby to the breast frequently. The more mm. the baby the sucks, breastfeeding on demand, the, yes. the more that that milk is going to be produced. Okay. So we'll go, we'll go into the science of breastfeeding after we take calls. We're taking calls on 86 If you've just joined us, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Suefansel. We're speaking about breastfeeding. I want to know what has your breastfeeding journey been like? I'm joined by Lynn Bluff. She's a childbirth educator. She's a registered midwife and she's also um, a lactation expert. And so taking calls, we have Umad Seppo on the road. Um, hi, Umad Seppo. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Hi, Dr. Cindy. It's a lovely thing. Um, yeah, first time caller. And uh, I, I want to see my, I got myself as a, my baby is only 16 months and I'm still breastfeeding and I breastfed him and only exclusively for six months and going back to work and everything, uh, but I was still pumping uh, mm-hmm. for, for the six months. And I don't want to lie, everyone is still shocked and my baby is healthy, big and in terms of development, I'm seeing the benefits. And of course, it's very true. It is very, it's a very daunting exercise when sometimes you're very exhausted and you don't even have the energy just to feed yourself. Mm. And you, you have to give this person something. And that honestly, it is a, it is a, it is a beautiful experience personally. And I'm pushing for two years. And if, if we go <laughs> more than that, kudos to that. Well, that's yeah, awesome, that's Matipo. Okay, no, thank that's you so much story. for sharing that with us. So we're taking more of your calls on 86 The hashtag on social media is Sidebar Cindy. The other hashtag is KFM Talk. And um, as I said, I'm joined in studio by Lynn Bluff and we're talking about breastfeeding. And I want to know what has your breastfeeding journey been like? So coming back to the science of breastfeeding, Lynn, I think let's, 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 yeah, yeah, let's talk about, you know, the, you know, letdown reflex, the routing, the importance of, of, you know, making sure baby's mouth latches properly on the areola. I think let's go through all of that. And uh, yeah, the science of the science behind breastfeeding. Can I even take it one step back okay. from there? Great. And yes, that please. is actually what should happen at birth. And that isn't actually highlighted enough how important it is that as soon as your baby is born, that your baby should be placed skin to skin on mom, either on a chest or on her abdomen. And baby should be placed there undisturbed on baby time and left there on baby time to undergo what is called the nine instinctive stages. Okay. And baby will go through that instinctively, meaning it's hardwired into this baby's brain. And baby, if it's left on mom's chest undisturbed, that baby has the ability to move up mom's chest, find a breast, latch on, suckle, all of its own accord, 
unhelped mm. because babies are hardwired to breastfeed and already that first stage often falls down at hospitals they don't actually do that a lot of them have got it right with the skin to skin so baby comes out baby's put onto mom's chest skin to skin left there for two minutes five minutes and then taken away and that isn't the way the nine instinctive stages involve the first one is the birth cry then the baby relaxes stage three is the baby awakens can lift his head got all the space around him stage four is activity that baby will move if he's placed low down on mom's abdomen at birth he can move all the way up her um, abdomen to her chest He's going to have to rest a little bit along the way too. Okay, that's fine. Then we get to cry, uh, to stage six, which is crawling with mm. this movement to the breast area and then baby familiarizes himself with the breast area because he has never seen a breast before and he actually wants to explore it before he puts it in his mouth and he touches it and he licks it and he pinches it and then he's going to open his mouth and after a few attempts because you know we're all the same we don't get things right the first (laughs) first time that we try things baby's then going to take a nice good mouthful of nipple and areola and actually suckle on the breast. And I'm, and I'm glad you said a mouthful because I think many mothers make the mistake of only inserting um, the nipple into, mm. the, into baby's mouth. So baby's, baby's mouth will open wide enough to, to grab the whole breast, including the brown mm. part, the brown part of the areola. And then baby's able to then um, position the breast in his mouth um, without your help, so you, you know you don't you, you don't have to sit there pushing this nipple and areola into baby's mouth. They know exactly what to do, and their tongues form a cup shape, and then they start they start mm-hmm. sucking. And so most moms, I think that's the part where we, you end up having cracked nipples because you're only inserting the nipple, and our baby's yeah. yanking on this nipple, which leads to cracked nipples. Yeah, we must remember it's called breast feeding for that reason that you want the breast in the mouth. It's not called nipple feeding. Exactly. Okay, so taking calls on oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. I'm chatting to Lynn Bluff, um, registered um, midwife, childbirth educator, and breastfeeding expert. And we're talking about breastfeeding, wanting to know what has your breastfeeding journey been like? We have Caswell calling us from Johannesburg. Um, hi, Caswell. Welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You know, it's very interesting what you're talking about today. Uh, Nonish and the little one is uh, making a noise in the background there. But we, uh, our situation was that she, my wife had to pump for almost a year. Mm. But with that experience, it was kind of tough because her nipples would not protrude, would not come out. I don't know if that's a medical condition or or if is there a specific reason for that. So it made it impossible for the for my daughter to grab onto the nipple with her mouth because they her, her nipples were inverted inward. I don't know if I'm making. Yes, no, yeah. Inverted nipples is a thing, so I'll ask Lynn to explain more about that. Okay, I would would appreciate that. No, thank you so much, Caswell. Thank you. Okay. Yes, you had the correct um, term. It is inverted, and that means that the nipple area isn't able to protrude, elongate, and when a baby is correctly latched onto the breast, the nipple is sucked almost to the back of the baby's mouth, to the the roof of the palate right at the back. And if it is um, inverted and can't extend, the um, baby's not going to be able to latch on or not correctly latch on or latch on well enough. And that can often um, cause very, very painful nipples and not successful breastfeeding. So well done for her to actually express to overcome that problem and that baby's still got breast milk. So really well done as a family. Great stuff. And um, we have Ukele on the road. Um, hi, Kibohile, and what is your breastfeeding journey like? Hi, guys. Uh, my my baby will be five months and three days time, and I've been back at work for like uh, the third week now, and I've actually been having a bit of a challenging journey where you know I've experienced low production of, of, of the milk and having to introduce formula also. So you know, there's been moments where 
it's uh, two feet of the bottle and then it's, it's the breast. Uh, and now I don't breastfeed at all because now nothing is coming out really, you know, to satisfy the baby. So, and uh, where, I'm, where I am right now, I wish I could really resuscitate that because my, my aim was to really breastfeed for as long as I could. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, it didn't uh, work out that way. Well, you've done very well, Gebukhila. I mean, I don't think you should feel bad. I think the five months that you've done has been amazing. Um, I'll ask Lynn to, to respond to what could be the issue, but you've really done very well. Yes, well done, because as I've said, every bit of breast milk the baby gets is going to be beneficial. Um, one thing that actually it is possible to get your breast milk going again in production, it's quite a challenge, but it's totally um perfectly able to happen um, the best thing to do would be to get into um, contact with a lactation consultant and have a few consultations with her with your baby and she could show you exactly what to do but we've got to remember the basics of breast um, feeding and that is the more the baby suckles on the breast the more milk that is going to actually be made by the breast so if you're wanting to continue or for future for another baby ideally you could still breastfeed your baby before you actually leave for work in the morning during the day at work you would carry on expressing expressing isn't as good as a baby actually sucking on um it it hasn't got quite the same stimulation but it still works really well and then when you get home you actually feed your baby straight from the breast again and your baby could actually be woken up a few times during the night and actually latch on now what i suggest you do if you're wanting to do it is particularly at the weekend or when you get home from work is cuddle up with your baby in bed have your baby skin to skin um on you so for practical reasons you just have a, a huggies a, a nappy on your baby okay with your rest of your baby in the nude and your baby lying nude on you and just let him lie on the breast and you know if he suckles let him suckle mm. and even at the weekends, spend as much time in bed doing that. So you need the rest. You need the contact with your baby. Your breasts need the the, the, the contact the and the stimulation. Yeah. And actually do that. And obviously don't, you know, rush around at the weekend trying to cook and wash and clean and shop and all the rest of it. And it'll be amazing by doing that. That how much milk will actually be produced. Yeah, that, that, Don't yeah. start skipping feeds because that is going to decrease the amount of milk that is produced. Yeah, I think, and I think, Lynn, that's a fantastic explanation. And I think what people need to remember is that. So women don't go around with breasts full of milk. Otherwise, we'd walk around feeling very uncomfortable. So it's a, it's a letdown reflex. So as soon as baby latches onto the breast and starts suckling, then the brain, you know, the brain sends out a hormone that says, okay, time to feed baby. And the milk comes down. So it literally starts flowing once baby starts suckling. And then when baby stops suckling, then the milk, you know, the milk diminishes. And this is one of the reasons why, um, you know, so people always ask me, you know, if a, if a, if a breastfeeding woman, if her partner, sucks her breast will milk come out no it won't because only babies are able to make that cup shape with their tongues and and they're able to suckle on 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 the nipple like that to to you know to 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 stimulate the letdown reflex um adults can't do that because we have teeth and our gums are different and so on so that's the reason why um you know the the, the myth that I don't have milk or my baby isn't getting enough. It's not that the baby isn't getting enough or you don't have enough milk. It could be that you're not stimulating the breast enough to produce mm. enough milk. And if you're wanting to stimulate it and build up your milk supply, is that you can let your baby um, suckle for a feed. When he's you know, finished sucking, you can actually um, get the pump and actually express afterwards 
um, as well and that will help continue the stimulation mm. and in between feeds you can actually stimulate by expressing or with a pump and so on. Okay. The, 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 the more you actually stimulate the breast the more milk that is going to be produced okay. I'm asking you what has your breastfeeding journey been like I'm chatting to Lynn Bluff she's a registered um, midwife she's a childbirth educator breastfeeding expert and she's sharing really valuable information about breastfeeding and just before the break we were talking about the science behind breastfeeding the importance of making sure that baby um, you know is placed skin to skin immediately after birth and you give baby a chance to find the breast play with it and start breastfeeding um, on their own and the other thing that came up as well then um, when I saw on social media we, so we've spoken about inverted nipples we've spoken about not producing um, enough milk some of the moms have spoken about how breastfeeding has really helped them to lose weight but another two of the moms said that actually it's it's been difficult for them they're breastfeeding and they're gaining weight so you know what do you say about that Generally, um, for the majority of people, while you're breastfeeding, you are going to lose weight because your body is utilizing so much energy producing the breast milk. And um, that's really great to have. You need to be careful that when you stop breastfeeding, you don't don't then put on the weight because you are used to eating more than normal, producing Mm. the breast milk and, you know, carrying on losing the weight. And then suddenly you carry on eating that amount and you're not producing breast milk any anymore. And so one needs to be careful of that. Um, If somebody is breastfeeding and putting on weight, I think they really need to just perhaps touch base with a dietitian because that shouldn't be um, actually happening. Again, you don't, it's like when you're pregnant, you don't need to eat for two, but you do need to eat for more than one. But you also need to make sure that you are eating healthily. Um, and what kind of food or yeah, what, 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 what is eating healthy during pregnancy and especially during breastfeeding? Healthy eating means if you look at your meals during the day that you are eating different colored foods cooked in different ways and so you're eating a variety and that will generally give you a reasonable balance and when you are breastfeeding you just continue to eat in that way and eat food that you are used to eating for people who eat very strong hot curry every day of their lives while they are pregnant and breastfeeding they can continue eating this very hot curry it's not going to upset them nor their baby okay and what are the what about the myths around um you mustn't drink this you mustn't drink that don't take coffee you know what's the the bottom line is with breastfeeding is that you shouldn't have any alcohol because the alcohol or whatever you're putting in your body is going to go through to your baby. So one would rather refrain from any alcohol use. Definitely as far as the caffeine goes, one should keep it down to a minimum. And your caffeine is in your coffees, your teas, your colas, your chocolates. Um, keep that down as much as possible. And the rest of the time, you should be able to eat everything in moderation. If you go and binge on something, it'll probably cause your baby to react. If you, to go back to the curry story, if you used to eating curry, carry on eating curry. If you have never eaten eaten you know if you don't often eat curry and then you go and have a very hot curry you might find that your baby reacts to it so whatever you've been eating during pregnancy continue with what while you're breastfeeding and try and keep everything in moderation okay and what about um so so, you know some of the moms have spoken about um how they had depression um you know during during breastfeeding what are they what's the impact what's the psychological impact of, of depression or, or any other emotional stress on breastfeeding? Emotional stress, physical stress is all going to affect one's milk production. And if you are breastfeeding 
and have your baby skin to skin in the long term. We spoke, we touched on earlier about having your baby skin to skin at birth. Now, what one should actually do is have your baby skin to skin for the first three to four months, 24 hours a day as much as possible. Again, as I said, um, when we were talking about it at the weekend, your baby's got a, um, a huggies, a nappy on. Yes. And that is all against your chest. Your baby is then strapped onto you and then you dress with your shirt over that. And that is going to aid breastfeeding and it's also going to help protect you against postnatal depression. And and, and so I think the fear is, Lynn, Lynn, that if you always, you know, carrying your baby around, you know, we say, um, like now your baby won't ever want to be put down. But that's not actually, that's not actually you know, true. I, I always say to moms, in the first three to four months, you can't expect to do much sleep training because baby still needs to be skin to skin and Absolutely. so on. And then after that, you can start sleep training. So you recommend three to four months of swaddling in your bosom, walking Absolutely. around this baby all the time. Yeah, it really does make a, a difference. The research is amazing. The benefits that it has from um, increasing brain development, increasing better sleep, mm. um, your digestion of the uh, for the baby is much better. It creates a healthy microbiome. You're just setting your baby up for a good, healthy existence, a good, healthy gut, a good, healthy microbiome. So without a doubt, that is going to help. And as I say, it's going to help that postnatal depression too. And speaking of gut, so um, the stools of a baby that's breastfeeding are very different from the stools of a baby that's formula feeding. So mm-hmm. just you know, tell us about the difference between the, the, the poo of a breastfeeding baby and a formula feeding baby. Okay, um, the poo of a breastfeeding baby looks mustardy yellow in like color. pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> um, very um, soft and runny with little bits in it and that is classed as normal and the reason it's like that is breast milk actually has laxative properties in so breastfed babies can't become um, constipated and they pass out these profuse volumes um, which is really actually quite encouraging. We've got to find the positives in life. You know, it's in, it's encouraging because if nothing was going in, nothing would come out. out. So if your baby's weeing well and pooing lots, you know that lots of good breast milk is going into your baby. Um, and the, so weeing lots and pooing a lot is about 10 nappies a day? Oh, yes. You can, you know, have a, a poo nappy every oh. few hours without a doubt. You know, you can have anything from 10 in one day to to one in 10 days and both ends of the spectrum are fine and healthy for a breastfed baby. Um, Yes, and I think when one is actually the thought of, you know, 10, 11 poo nappies in a day, day after day, you think, oh goodness, do I really have to do this again? But the way to get through this is that rather view it as changing a baby's nappy as a charm when you can connect with your baby. You know, when you're changing a baby's nappy, your baby is awake, it's alert, it's looking at you. Spend time connecting, gazing into their eyes, talking to them, relating to them. And that connectedness forms these wonderful motorways in the brain to aid brain development and all these brain connections. That is so important. That only has three years to develop no 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 Lynn. i got my i got my brain connections from my kids elsewhere because <laughs> like i gag very easily so changing nappies was really challenging for me so i had to pay my cousin to change my baby's <laughs> nappies i charged like five rand a nappy because i couldn't i couldn't, couldn't do it oh oh okay well what can i say if you haven't got a strong gag reflex view it as a time to interact with your baby it can be so special no, that's so true so taking calls on 86 we have zelda calling us um from johannesburg um hi zelda and welcome to side Cindy. hi dr cindy how are you good good to have you back thank you oh um i had a very painful journey because uh, one of my, uh, I got a clock back in one of my breasts, so I could only feed with one breast, but it was like a very painful journey because I had to be in and out of the doctor's um, the, uh, rooms. I, I was even um, saying to do a um, mammogram as well, and that got me so worried, but then I managed to breastfeed for six months, and I could only breastfeed with one um, mm. breast. And how's baby? 
Okay, well, thank you for telling us that, Zelda. And, uh, and I hope that you don't feel guilty for um, uh, only having breastfed with, the, with one breast. You did your best and your baby's healthy. Uh, yes. Okay, well, thank you so much for calling. Yes, um, block ducts, breast abscesses, they're things that can happen and um, block ducts are reasonably common when you are breastfeeding. Um, w- if you have a block duct, you can actually carry on breastfeeding from that breast. And because a baby's suction is the best suction possible to take out breast milk, sometimes that baby is actually able to release that block duct by just sucking on it. Other times we need assistance. Um, while your baby's sucking, you can actually put hot and cold packs on. You can express over the area where that block duct is. Otherwise, between feeds, you could go and have um, sonar done by um, a physio, um, and that can actually help it. Sometimes um, we get mastitis, which is an infection within the breast tissue. Very, very painful. It is very painful. You will need to have some antibiotics. But again, remember, you don't have to stop breastfeeding through all of this. Um, You can just continue antibiotics and all and continue breastfeeding of both both breasts. And also engorged breasts. How do we how do we um, avoid um, having engorged breasts? Yes, engorged breasts over full breast for want of a better description for somebody who might not know what an, an engorged breast is, is um, generally happens in those first few days when your milk is coming in and your breasts just fill up and you don't actually get a good um, let down and a good milk flow. And the, the way to help prevent that is from the time that your baby is born is if for those first few days you wake your baby up every couple of hours and get your baby to breastfeed and that starts to get the flow really do, going well in your breasts and that can often actually decrease the, um, the, the engorgement. If you are engorged, again, that hot and cold or go into a shower and let that shower of warm to hot water fall on your breast, then that will stimulate it and um, help massage it. Otherwise, one can go back to wearing um, cabbage leaves in your breasts. Okay? I did that and it worked. Yes, cold ones, not really the, the hot ones. Otherwise, you get that continuous smell of cabbage. You couldn't stand the, the, the smell of nappies. Oh, that smell of cabbage was ghastly. Yeah, so what I did, you, you know, you get a, you buy a big cabbage, you, um, you know, Peel off the the big leaves, put them in the freezer for a few for a few minutes, and then you put those um, leaves on your breast, and that should really help with with the engorgement. But I think the most important thing, as Lynn Bluff has pointed out, is that um, you know avoid the engorgement, um, you know if you can. And obviously, if if your breast really gets over full and it, you develop a lump or then an area of the breast becomes um, reddened or hard, you need to go and see a doctor because you might have an, a breast abscess as well, very common during breastfeeding, and that needs to be sorted out by a medical doctor. If you've just joined us, you're still listening to Sidebar Cindy with me, I'm Dr. Cindy Fansale, and I'm chatting to Lynn Bluff. She's a registered midwife, childbirth educator, breastfeeding expert, and we're talking about breastfeeding. Wanting to know from you, what has your breastfeeding journey been like? Still taking calls on 86 The other thing I wanted to talk about, Lynn, is the different um, um, types of, 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 of breast milk. Well, not different types, but the different stages of breastfeeding and why it's important to keep baby on one breast for as long as possible. So what are the different types of milk that come out during during a session of breastfeeding? Okay, if we start with the first type of breast milk that is produced is called colostrum. And that is um, what your, your brand newborn baby will be actually sucking initially for those couple of um, first few days. And that is... A good way to describe it is thick, creamy um, milk, okay? Your baby has got a very small stomach. It only needs a couple of mils at a time um, to to fill it. And so it is very rich for want of a better description. Then your baby's, uh, then your milk's going to 
become more transitional and then it's going to become breast milk as we know it. And if you happen to express milk and put it in a container that is clear and look at it, it can often look a little bit watery, a little bit blue and you think, oh my word, you know, is this really milk? Is That's it bad? True, yes. Okay. So yes, it's normal to look that funny bluish color and a little bit watery. Um, when your baby then sucks initially, there is going to be some part of the breast milk that is going to have more water content to, to it. baby's thirst. Absolutely. And then the more the baby sucks, the more hind milk that is going to come down that is going to have the bulk and actually satisfy it. So yes, sometimes it is really good just to feed for quite a long time, if not for the full feed just on one breast and then the next feed on the other breast so that baby is getting the bulk, the sustenance um, that is going to satisfy that baby. Great. So, Saipot Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Suefan Sale, taking calls on 086 We have Martha calling us from the Val. Hi, Martha. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Um, I heard you guys talk about the experience of breastfeeding. Yeah. What was your breastfeeding was journey like? It was horrible. It was horrible. It was, I hate it to this day. My um, nipples at some point felt like they were falling off. I just want to know what could be the cause of that. Um, and then I had abscess, uh, breast abscess, which was painful. Um, again, what I want to find out, if you could explain it further to me, um, I breastfed for two months. On the third month, all of a sudden, my child was lactose intolerant. What could be the cause of that? Okay, so just to just to make sure I heard you correctly, so you you breastfed for two months, your child became lactose intolerant, but you also had a breast abscess at, at during during those two months. Yes, I okay. had breast abscess. Um, at some point, she was admitted in hospital. Yes. Um, then I, I I I had the abscess and the breast were all full. I couldn't. it was it was bad. Okay. It, Okay, thanks, Martha. Thank you for that. And you also said something that your bra- your nipples were very, very sore. Now, the most common reason that um, a mom gets sore nipples is that baby is not correctly latched on the breast. That... Um, it's not latched correctly. It's not positioned correctly. If we want our baby to be correctly positioned at the breast, your baby needs to be at the heart of your breast. Okay. So if you have just holding your baby in your arm, your arm gets tired and it drops a bit and then you lean down into your baby and that puts drag on your nipple. So if you've got the opportunity to put a cushion there or some pillows to bring your baby to the heart of the breast that is very important then the second thing with the correct positioning is that this baby needs to be um, facing you all right so its head needs to face you its tummy needs to face you and its legs needs need to face you so your baby's lying on its side for want of a better description and that is then going to be the best position for your baby to be latched so as not to cause a sore nipple. Now we can feed our baby in what's commonly called the Madonna position or that your baby is lying across your tummy. You can also um, feed your baby in a football hold where your baby's legs are going under your arm and the baby's head is kind of being held in your hand for want of a better description like you see these guys running on the rugby field with a rugby ball under their arm so that is how your baby would be and it really doesn't matter which position I mean there are hundreds of positions that you could use for your baby to latch onto the breast but again we must make sure your baby's at the correct height for the breast and the correct position and actually facing the the, the breast um, and your body and then everything should be all right. There are also times when a baby has a tongue tie where its tongue isn't as free as it should be. It's being held back in its mouth a bit and so that baby's tongue can't actually um, come out and, and really 
massage the breast in order to actually get the milk out and it's just touching the nipple and that is sore and I can agree with your statement that crack nipples are incredibly painful and, that's um, a, and the solution for crack nipples um, Lynn? is that the second your nipples are sore when your baby is sucking you need to release that suction, take that baby off the nipples. After the first couple of sucks, the first couple of sucks, it's a little bit sore, painful. Um, uh, after that, when the baby is sucking, it should not be painful. If it is sore, take that baby, release the suction, take that baby off and relatch that baby. If a baby is correctly positioned on the breast, it will not be sore while that baby is sucking. And if you do develop cracked nipples, then the best thing to do is to, you know, give them a bit of a break and get some um, nipple cream. There's some very good nipple creams on the market that you can rub on and, uh, of course, keep trying with the latching. Mm. Yes, and sometimes one needs to actually express for a little bit just to get those nipple um, a chance to actually heal. But if people realize that it's not correct that nipples are sore when that baby is sucking and if it continues that you call a lactation consultant in who can actually come and sit and watch your baby feeding so that they can correct any problems don't wait until your nipples are so sore you want to give up as, as soon as you've got a problem call somebody because often it's not too difficult to rectify to the situation but when you've got sore nipples it takes a long time for them to heal great stuff sidebar cindy with me dr cindy fancel talking breastfeeding with lynn bluff um she's registered midwife childbirth educator lactation expert and we're taking your calls on 86 959 and I'm asking you what has your breastfeeding journey been like? I was just sharing with Lynn during the break how um, my mother and um, Ututu who was um, working for us at the time were very frantic about making sure that my kids started solids as soon as possible. So the only thing I could do was to make sure that wherever I went, I took my child with me. Because if I'd left my child at home, even for five minutes, they'd have you know fed the baby yogurts, you know, grab water, cereal and so on. And that's a challenge. I mean, exclusive breastfeeding means just that. Exclusive breastfeeding. No, no, nothing else except breast milk. But in, an, in a country where um, early infant feeding seems to be a culture, that can be a challenge, Lynn. Yes, it really can, particularly if you get quite a dominant mom or mom-in-law who is actually sure she's got all the answers and knows what is best for her baby. I know that some of the young moms really, really battle to stand up to them and say, actually, you know, it's not the way that things should be done these days. We should exclusively breastfeed for six months, and that means only the breast and breast going into your baby no water no tea no pup no anything and, and except, okay, except of course medication that's been prescribed by your nurse sure. clinician or your medical doctor so that's that's important but anything else baby doesn't need and I know moms want to give um, um, rooibos tea they want to give water nothing your breast milk is enough Absolutely, and that's what is important. So, yeah, try and keep that to it and try and talk to your mom and mom-in-law to tell them, you know, what happens these days. Get them to explain, but explain it to them while you are still pregnant. Give them new literature. You know, there are lots of pregnancy magazines and books and pamphlets to actually help educate them. Don't try and educate them once your baby has already arrived. That's too late. Try and do it. And there are antenatal classes out mm -hmm. there, childbirth education classes, breastfeeding classes. And a lot of the breastfeeding classes, they invite the moms and mom-in-laws to go along as well so that everybody can be on the same page and give, get the same information. Great stuff. Taking calls on 86 We have Ularato and she's calling us. Okay, she's parked. Ularato, hi. Welcome to Sidebar Cindy. Hi, Doctor Cindy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm just gonna finish it on a on a light note. I am a very, uh, I can say, of of them for two years. Okay. Right. Uh, I okay. No, we. I didn't even. 
Okay, we'll try and get Lerato back on a better line. Um, continue the conversation with Lynn. So we've spoken about, you know, the, the, the diet that you should, you know, follow when you're breastfeeding, which is basically eat what you're eating during pregnancy, eat in moderation because you're not eating for two. I said, there's something that you said that I really enjoyed. What did you say about not eating for two? That when you're pregnant, when you're breastfeeding, you're not eating for two, but you need to eat more than one. But make sure that you're not eating for two. And and the cravings, I mean, Lynn, I, oh my gosh, pregnancy and breastfeeding, the cravings are insane. Yes, um, particularly for junk food, I'm sure, and yes. ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not real cravings. Those are psychological ones. It's a, oh, this is a nice excuse. I tried it too. <laughs> well, ice cream makes everything better, though. <laughs> no. Fine as long as it's in moderation. No, that, no that's true. But, <laughs> but in terms of rest, um, how much rest should, should a mom be getting? You know, I know that you know, there's a lot, baby's always crying, baby's always awake, but you need to make time to rest. And this is where external help comes in, your support structures around you. How much sleep should a mommy be aiming for? I think that particularly in the early days when babies sleep, mom must sleep. And if she does that, that will also be adequate. But obviously, if she has got um, a partner, um, a helper, a mom, a sister who can actually help her, it really does help. But make sure that they're only helping while baby is awake and they're not helping feeding because it's not going to be beneficial for mom or baby if they now misplace a feed with a bottle or a formula that is not going to be beneficial so as soon as you've finished feeding you hand over your baby for somebody you know to change to burp to put to sleep that is fine but I think that moms need to realize they need to rest when baby rests mom must actually go and sleep not try and run around and cook and clean and wash and iron because then you are not going to get enough rest and if you don't get enough rest your body isn't going to be able to produce adequate amounts of breast milk so you need to be very very sensible and keep visitors at bay you know I promise you, you're not going to offend them for very long. They're going to be longing to come and see your baby. They will come back. But give yourself time with your baby and your partner to actually establish your, yourself as a family and, and establish and so breastfeeding and just have adequate rest. And um, Lynn, the other question I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, so when you, when you go back to work and you continue, um, you know, f- um, expressing um, at work and you bring the milk back, say you need to freeze the milk. You've produced quite a lot of it and you need to freeze it. How long can one freeze breast milk for? If you've got a very, very good freeze, you can freeze it for quite a few months, like three months or six months, depending on how um, cold your freezer actually goes. But remember to freeze it in small quantities okay. because once the milk is thawed, Okay, within, if you offer it to your baby, you can't keep it longer than that feed. So instead of freezing it in huge big quantities, freeze it in 50 ml things or freeze it in ice cubes. And you know that an ice cube is 30 ml or whatever it might be, measure it. And then, you know, freeze it in your ice tray. You've got so many ice cubes that when you are needing to thaw some for a feed, you can just take out however many ice cubes of milk that you actually um, need. need. Yeah, that you actually preserving that milk is is liquid gold you don't want to waste any of it and can you can you thaw breast milk in the microwave oven no 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 baby's milks never go into the microwave okay you can actually just leave it standing at room temperature on the counter and that would be the ideal way if you need to do it a bit quicker put the container or the bottle whatever the milk has expressed milk is in and just put it into a jug of warm water but never Never in the microwave and as I say you can actually just leave it on the counter and it will thaw and then just shake it up it does see it separate a little bit or if you freeze it and you um, in an ice tray yes. and you take it out and it's going to go all sticky and separate and you think oh my goodness is this good that's what breast milk does and okay. it's fine so just mix it, it up well, a bit just mix it up and um, it'll be fine and wonderful again but 
breast milk varies from day and night, okay? And um, breast milk produced at night has got more um, melatonin in, which is going to make the baby sleep better. So if you are expressing at night, keep that for night milk. And if you're expressing during the day, keep that for day milk. Otherwise, your baby's not going to know the nights and days too well. Okay, great. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. So I think I wanted to ask you, Lynn. So you listen to Lynn Bluff. She's um, a childbirth educator, registered midwife, and she's also a lactation expert. And you're listening to Sidebar Cindy, and we're speaking about breastfeeding tonight. And um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, the, the reality, of course, in our country is that some mothers will only be able to breastfeed for a very short time. And of course, they need to wean baby onto formula. So I encourage my moms to wean, um, you know, abruptly. So you stop the breastfeeding today and then from tomorrow morning, baby is getting formula cup feeds because, um, you know, they might not latch onto the to the teat of the bottle that quickly. And then obviously once baby's used to the cup feeds or formula, then you move over to the teat. Um, what advice do you have for moms in terms of managing their emotions and just the whole psychological aspect of stopping the breastfeeding and then, you know, moving over to formula? Because it's not an easy journey for some mothers. Yes, particularly if she would like to continue, but for various reasons actually can't. It is emotional and just realize that there are other ways of connecting with your baby and loving your baby and you can still have your baby skin to skin and um, give your baby the love and attention because that is what is paramount to your baby. And um, what advice do you have for partners of, of breastfeeding moms? How can they help to make the whole process um, smoother or easier? Apart from buying chocolates and ice cream, what else <laughs> Yes, that, that, that's for sure. Um, I think the role that partners can play is unbelievably important. And if they can go and learn during pregnancy about breastfeeding and attend a breastfeeding class as well, I think that's great because they then know what the mom has heard and they can reinforce it and they can encourage it. She needs a lot of encouragement and support and actually positive reinforcement that she can trust her body. You know, that's one thing we haven't spoken about is that we don't trust our bodies enough to produce enough breast milk. But do you every morning think about whether your bladder is going to fill up enough to go and wee today? No, we no. take it for granted. Well, these breasts are part of the same body that the bladder is part of. So if you can trust your bladder, learn to trust your breasts. And that's true because, um, you know, pregnancy is, is filled with a, a lot of self-doubt, you, mm. you know, especially if you, if you haven't walked the journey before. So your partner support, your family support is, is very important. And the last thing I wanted to ask you, Lynn, before, before we wrap up the show, um, breastfeeding in public. So... I breastfeed in public. If my child was hungry, my child had to eat. But I know that, um, you know, some families, some cultures frown upon that. Um, and it makes it uncomfortable for a mom if she finds herself in a public situation and she needs to breastfeed a child. What do you say about that? I think that it is perfectly fine to breastfeed in public, but yes, not everybody is comfortable or some of the the dads are not comfortable that their their partners are actually breastfeeding in public. When I was breastfeeding, I didn't get hung up about it. It was actually sometimes easier to go to a quiet place, whether it was my car or um, the bathroom or something like that. It was it was less disturbing for the baby, particularly as they grow up a bit, you know, and then they actually want to look around and every sound is distracting them. And then they pull off the breast and you let down it occurring and the milk is spraying everywhere. Sometimes it's... Um, easier not to do it in yeah. a very very public place okay but thank you so much lynn bluff um we'll definitely have you back on the show we had a lot of um, um questions and feedback but you've been a fantastic um, um guest and i really enjoyed all your information and i look forward to having you back soon i would love to come back anytime thank you so much sidebar with cindy every monday to thursday 7 to 8 p.m on kaya fm 95.9 rewinding rewinding kaya fm on fm rewind Visit kayafm.co.za for more.